Hi, I'm Lanise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat Love Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. So on today's episode, we have Valentina Milanova. Valentina's educational background is in law and economics. She started her career in early stage startup investing before founding Day. A year and a half after raising a seed round for Day as a single person business, Valentina's team set up production for their clinically validated naked and CBD tampons in South London. Day is on a mission to raise the standards in women's health starting by bridging the gender pain gap with their first product. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. So let's start off by getting into the story of your first period. It's the first question I ask all of my guests. So can you share with us what happened? I had my first period when I was really young, so I didn't know that what I was experiencing was menstruation. I assumed that I had contracted some kind of a disease and I didn't feel comfortable telling anyone around me. So my first few periods felt very traumatic. They kind of came out of nowhere and um, because I wasn't anticipating them to be there every month. And I would just lock myself in the bathroom and kind of agonize over what I perceived was my imminent death from this horrible disease that I had. Um, And then I gradually um, learned what was happening to, to my body and what I was experiencing. And um, then I started navigating how to deal with my menstruation. So I always had really painful periods, kind of de- debilitating cramps where I would have to um, just lie in a hot tub or take a really hot shower to, to reduce the cramps. Um, and I also um, had a really heavy period, which meant that most uh, pads really didn't do it for me in terms of absorbency. So I would always kind of have my trousers stained when I was at um, school. I remember we had these white chairs in school, white plastic chairs that were just my nightmare because every day at school um, when I was menstruating, I was just so worried that I was going to stand up and find um, just a little bond of my menstrual blood. How old were you when you got your first period? I was nine. I had my first period really early. Nine years old. Okay, so you were in year five, year four, year five. I'm in Bulgaria. I'm Bulgarian, so we have a different system of. Oh right. Okay. So you're still you were quite young. Um, So who did you talk to when you you thought you had a disease and it was really traumatic? Who did you turn to? Um, I didn't turn to anyone. I I just was really worried that what I had was very, very shameful. Um, It was about a year after I had my first period that I finally mustered the courage to um, go up to my father and just admit that there was something wrong with uh, that. What I thought then was something wrong with me. Um, And he actually didn't realize what was going on either. So we ended up making a trip to um, the emergency clinic um, to see a doctor uh, for this mysterious bleeding that I was experiencing. And when you went to the emergency clinic, what did they say? 
um, they, they laughed it off. They found it really funny. And they said, well, it's just your period. It's just your menstruation. But I was like, what is menstruation? Like, what does this mean? It's like, this is not helpful. <laughs> what, what does this term mean? <laughs> so, and and I, I just felt really uncomfortable to ask any questions. But my father understood what that meant. And we went to the supermarket and we bought a bunch of pads. And he gave me the pads and half-heartedly showed me how to use the pads. Um, and then I read the instructions on the box of the pads um and then it wasn't until a few years later that my friends at school started having their periods and I remember when I first found out that there was another girl in my class that also had her period I was so happy and so relieved and I couldn't wait to like show her the ropes and um talk to her about the different kinds of period care that I use and how to change your pad and things like that. so for the first three three or four years you were you were on your own with a little bit of support from your father. And you mentioned the word shame. You felt a bit sh- ashamed about your what was happening. Why, why did you feel like that? I guess it was a function of not knowing what was going on. And naturally we associate um, our private organs and our physiology with shame when, there, when there's something wrong. Um, I, I guess that's why I, I, I felt ashamed. I didn't had I didn't have an educational experience at that point in time um, that made me feel extremely comfortable with my vulva with my vagina I didn't know how to name these things I didn't understand um, how to look after myself properly so I guess that's why I was experiencing shame were your periods painful from the very beginning yeah I always had really debilitating cramps and did that mean that you had to miss school or um, miss yeah, lessons? Yeah, frequently. Um, either miss school or just leave school when, when my period would come when I was at school. Um, and I, it was just very difficult to concentrate on anything that was not the pain. I think your first, if you have a painful period, your first few years of menstruation are, are the worst in terms of the intensity of the cramps. Um, and I remember just laying in the bath or taking a really, really hot shower was the only thing that, that would help. And did you use any painkillers or were you too young? I think I was too young. Um, and I also didn't, I couldn't access them myself, obviously. So I didn't know where to find them. You, so you were on your own in terms of your peer group. And, and then you found another girl who had got her period. And then as soon as... Did things change as soon as your other friends started to get their periods? Yeah. Um, by the time that my elder school friends had started getting their periods, I think I had like three or four years of being the only girl with her period. So I had become more confident and become more aware of menstruation, what it meant and how to deal with it. So um, I actually kind of turned it into the cool thing at school. So after the second girl got her period, you know, we created this little group and then all of the other girls couldn't wait to get, to get their period. So they could participate in like the circle of conversations about menstruation. And we would kind of proudly walk down the school halls and go and change our pads all at the same time in the bathrooms while there was another girl that was guarding the door. Um, so, yeah, we made it into the cool thing. Um, at school 
the periods became cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that, that's one way to kind of shift the idea of shame and to get, become more empowered by what was, what was happening to your bodies. Yeah. yeah. And w- what was your education like at school? Um, you, so having had the, the doctor at the emergency clinic tell you what was going on, then did that education continue at school? I think the first time that I had a sexual and reproductive health education in any form was in biology class when I was 15. I, I may just not remember it, but I don't have a recollection of in, in primary school learning about menstruation, safe sex, etc. Um, the school that I went to was actually very progressive. The The primary school that I went to, we would call our teachers by their first names rather than by their last names or, or miss or mister. Um, and we all kind of formed really close bonds and really close friendships with our professors, um, with our teachers, sorry. But I don't recall having a formal education. Um, we did have Bible study, which at that time I found really interesting. <laughs> um, but we didn't have a formal sex ed class that I can recall. So how were you learning about it? Um, a lot of it was from books. Um, so the school that I went to was very encouraging of people reading. We would have these like reading competitions where the coolest kid in school was the kid that could read over 90 words a minute. We had this like little competition. Um, and we had a large library. Um, and I read Lolita when I was in the fourth grade or... You know, I read a lot of books that I shouldn't have read early <laughs> on. Um, and I learned about menstruation and just, um, I, I, I guess I learned my first sex sexual education from these books. Um, and then obviously I discovered the internet. <laughs> um, and discovered internet forums. And I remember just these like internet forums in Bulgaria in like mid-2000s, people were just so confused there was like so much angst and so much worry and people were always worried they were pregnant I remember this girl from my class came to me just like crying in tears because she had had unprotected oral sex and she was convinced that she was pregnant and that's you know that was just a fact for her and we didn't know any better so we were like oh my god commiserating with her being pregnant (laughs) um yeah it's interesting because the internet is like is supposed to be this democratizing force in terms of access and internet is a democratizing force now it's just when i was growing up um like we didn't have a computer it was difficult for me to access the internet and also you have to remember that i was accessing the bulgarian internet which is different from you know bulgarian forms are different from forms that are maybe a bit more progressive that you would maybe find in the UK. And also the internet now, like the quality information about sexual menstrual and reproductive health that you can find online now has nothing, has no points of comparison to the information that I was finding when I was between 10 and 15. Right. It's a very okay. internet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you thinking about what you, what you know now and um, come, thinking back to that girl who was looking on the internet and on these forums and trying to find out um, 
information about what was going on with her body, information about sexual health. What would you tell that girl? Um, stick with it. It's going to get easier. You're going to learn the ropes and learn how to navigate menstruation and you're going to come into your own and start feeling proud of who you are as a woman. What And what point did for you, what was the starting point where you realized you were having these heavy and painful periods? When did you realize that something had to change? I guess the thought was always at the back of my mind, this really strong belief that the way that people deal with their periods and the way that we purchase period care products and, and how they perform is really subpar. When I became a teenager and when I went, when I started going to high school, I, my painful periods persisted. I started using ibuprofen and um, neurofen and all of the pink period anti-inflammatories that are actually the exact same formulation as the generic ones, but only five times more expensive. Um, they never really removed my cramps. They just dealt the cramps. So it was always this idea that menstruation could be made easier and looking after yourself when you're on your period could be made nicer uh, was always in the back of my mind. It could be made nicer. I think that's a that's an important message for that a lot of women would like to hear. And so you 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 had this message in the back of your mind and now you have a company which helps women have nicer period tell us about the journey from having this seed of a thought to in your mind to starting up your company i first had the idea for day when i was finishing an mba type course in bulgaria it was an evening business education course um and in order to graduate, we had to come up with a business idea that would be socially impactful. So I started researching Northern Bulgaria, which is um, an area that has the highest rates of unemployment in, in, in Europe, actually. Um, has really high levels of sexual trafficking. So I thought, okay, whatever business idea I could come up with that would somehow benefit this region in particular would be socially impactful by that for that reason. Um, and I started researching the history of Northern Bulgaria and turns out Northern Bulgaria used to be the number one producer and exporter of industrial hemp um, in the 40s and in the 30s before the communist government came and, and, and took over. And Northern Bulgaria had this industrial hemp research institute that was publishing a bunch of papers around industrial hemp. And I just went and I found these old papers and um I realized through them that industrial hemp's fibers are more absorbent than cotton and the extract from the flower uh, can be analgesic. So then I had this moment of just thinking, okay, so we know there's a plant that both makes more absorbent fibers and a pain relieving extract. Then why aren't we combining the two? And that's when I had the idea for day for our first product and I presented it to my MBA class. Everyone thought it was a very weird idea. No one wanted to talk about menstruation or talk about tampons. Or um, the, I think the most common argument that I heard was people just saying, well, if this was such a good idea, Procter & Gamble would have invented it already. Um, but it really stuck with me, this concept of taking the pain away from periods, taking the discomfort of 
you know, constantly worrying about staining your underwear, staining your trousers with your menstrual blood. Um, and I tried to produce the first tampons by myself initially at home. I 3D printed these molds um, and I used a technique called needle punching in order to take the fiber and transform it into a tampon-like shape. Um, and then I infused the edges of the tampon with CBD, with the extract from the hemp flower using a few inch. Um, I tried the tampons on myself first. They really worked on me um, and I have very painful periods. Um, and then I gave them to my friends to try. My friends tried them. They gave equally positive feedback. Um, so that's when I realized that there's some merit to this idea beyond it just sounding good on paper. And I started trying to produce my product. And that made me realize that tampon manufacturing is very monopolized right now. It's very complicated. It's owned by a small number of people. Um, and there's limited opportunities for innovation. So no one was really interested in my pain relieving tampon or in my more absorbent tampon. Um, I got tons of negative feedback from the early manufacturing meetings that I had. Um, but finally, um, I was able to find a manufacturer whose daughters had really painful periods. Um, and they had tried my uh, CVD tampon prototype uh, and it had worked for them. So the manufacturer was incentivized to want to work with me. And we were able to produce the first batch of tampons, which we used for the first set of clinical trials to, because obviously they such a sensitive product, more such a, we're a medical device. So we need to be extremely careful with the validation that we're doing. Um, so doing clinical validation was one of the early most important things. Um, so the first tampons that we made directly were shipped for the clinical trials. Um, people had to self-install the CBD onto the tampon using a syringe because we didn't have a machine then to apply the CBD onto the tampons automatically. And from the results of these initial clinical trials and from being able to secure IP, I was able to fundraise um, as a single person company. I raised the pre-seed round for day in September 2018. Um, and then a few months later, we closed the seed round with a San Francisco-based investor called Kosla. Um, they're an amazing firm. They invest in a lot of scientifically backed IP-based companies. Um, and I was able to slowly start growing the team and get more talent on board. So right now, where we are is that we manufacture in South London, uh, in, in Bermondsey, and we employ women who used to be in the prison and care systems um, as our production operators. We have just opened our subscription, so it's live for people to purchase uh, as of a week ago. Um, yeah. And, and we're, we're working on getting dates with many women as possible. We're working on scaling our production. So go back to what you were saying about the, the CBD um, as an analgesic. For women who aren't familiar with CBD and what it can do, can you just walk, walk them through why they would want to use a tampon with CBD in it? Yeah. So specifically the, the kind of, cannabinoids that we use. We use a pharmaceutical grade extract. Um, the same one that is used in GW Pharmaceuticals drug for children's epilepsy. And we use a significant dose and a significant concentration. So we have 100 milligrams of 30% CBD per tampon. 
And what that does, it, it, it allows us to deliver a potent dose of an anti-inflammatory agent to the area that's cramping. Um, so we provide localized pain relief. We've developed a technology that allows us to atomize the CBD so that it stays on the surface of the tampon rather than permeating back inside. Um, and by staying on the surface of the tampon, the CBD interacts with the endocannabinoid system in the vaginal canal. And it uh, triggers something called the first pass uterine effect, um, which is a mechanism by which agents that are ingested through the vaginal mucosa are recycled in the pelvic organs, um, meaning the result that's felt is much quicker than if you take a painkiller orally, because obviously then it has to go through your digestive system, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, the mechanism of, of action of day. We use high quality CBD that's of a significant dose. It's applied onto the tampon in a way that ensures that the active ingredient stays on the surface of the tampon. And there it interacts with uh, the endocannabinoid system, which is known to modulate your response to pain. Um, Effectively, the CBD tampon turns the volume down on your cramps. How has using this product, so formulating this product, developing it, manufacturing it, how has it changed your period? Um, I don't suffer from period cramps anymore, which is really important when I'm building my company I really don't have like two three days a month I don't have the luxury to be able to stay in bed and take a bath and not be focused um so it has really and and two three days a month don't sound like a lot when you when you when you say that but it's made such a massive impact on my productivity and just my happiness levels and I no longer dread my period I'm no longer kind of shakily anticipating the first PMS symptoms and the first spotting, thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do now? I have to take a whole box of ibuprofen. Um, so that's been the biggest impact for me, being able to have leveled uh, amounts of energy and, and, and cognitive capacity throughout the month, not, not be limited by my, by my cycle. You you going back to what you said, you know, people might not think two to three days is a lot, but if you look at that over a year, that's almost a month, a year being, having debilitate, being debilitated by pain. So that's quite significant. And when you look at it like that, I think it puts into context the amount of pain that women experience or people with periods experience and how, how it can really impact their lives. Mm. Mm. So someone who they want to try the, the CBD tampons, what they really feel connected by what, by your story and um, what the change that you've experienced, experienced in your period, how would they, how would they get, get a hold of the tampons? So they're available on our website right now, yourday.com. Um, that's day spelled D-A-Y-E. And um, they're available on a subscription. So you can purchase the tampons and then sync them with your cycle. So you have them delivered automatically two or three days before your period is due. Okay, great. And so the, your story is quite inspiring. You started, you had a problem, you identified a solution, and then you rolled out, um, you rolled out a product 
that you know is quite innovative. I know there isn't another CBD tampon uh, in the UK market, is there? There isn't another baby living tampon globally, not just in the UK market. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so you, what would you say to women out there who hear your story? They're quite inspired by it. And they're thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe I can develop something or maybe I can do something like this or I have my own idea. How, you know, the, the investing space, the startup space is notoriously male. It's uh, notoriously quite sexist. What would you say to these women who want to do something? Do you have any advice? Um, I'd say it's super exciting that we live in the times in which we live in right now because if there's one thing to be learned from my story is that a young Eastern European woman who didn't grow up with a lot can and didn't have a lot of connections can still approach these on-the-surface intimidating brand name investors and and tell a good story and, and make a good case for why women's health divert deserves more investment and, and actually win that investment. So if, if if there's any women that are listening to this interview and they're thinking, wow, I really want to start my own company as well, um, I'd say go for it. There's there's really nothing stopping you. I well th- th- that that was the the, the thing that um, really con this mentality was the thing that really convinced me to take out the initial credit cards that I had to take out in order to finance the, the company before we had venture capital resources. Um, I just thought to myself, okay, what's the worst that can happen? I lose like 40,000 pounds and then I just have to repay them by working in a regular job. I'll always be able to find a regular job. Like even if it's just washing dishes, how long will it take me? It will take me like 10 years to repay it. What's the big deal? At least I will have tried. At least mm. I will have learned new things yeah definitely i think that's such an amazing attitude at least you tried you know what's the worst that can happen i mean it is it's only money and i'm not being glib when i say that but you know there are there are definitely worse things yeah and even if you take the conversation apart from the money domain you need to be really comfortable as an entrepreneur in making a fool of yourself all the time. You need to make, you need to have a really low ego. You need to constantly be proven wrong. You're constantly putting like these really awkward situations of complex interpersonal dynamics that you have to navigate as you manage a team, as you manage a board, as you deal with your suppliers. Um, and you just need to be like very humble and, and very low ego and just be at ease in discomfort. Just know that, there's going to be a lot of discomfort. There's going to be a lot of feeling inadequate. And my imposter complex is as strong as it's ever been. Um, and, and that's just part of the human experience, I guess, when, when you're an entrepreneur. A lot of people are really worried about their reputation. You know, they never take a risk because they're worried about how it would look to the other to, to the others, to the world, if they make a mistake. But at the end of the day, everything blows over in 24 hours and you end up gaining more, even if you make a massive mistake, than if you don't do anything. 
that I think that's really interesting. It, you, everything you're saying is like, I definitely believe it myself. You, you have to make mistakes. You have to be, make a fool of yourself because, you know, what would, what's worse? Do the doing it and then making a mistake or not doing it and regretting it. But I want to go back to what you were saying about imposter syndrome. So is that something that you, you've experienced? Um, yeah, I experience imposter, imposter syndrome on, on a daily basis. And I think it's a very healthy thing to experience because it keeps you humble and it prevents you from drinking your own Kool-Aid. Um, something that really bothers me in, in startups and in, in entrepreneurship is it's very easy to create this myth of the founder persona of the superhuman founder who's always switched on, always right somehow divinely anointed with a greater intelligence and a greater amount of courage than everyone else. And I think that's just BS. That's just absolute crap that Mm. just does not exist. And it leads to people being unhappy and leads to people falling off pedestals. Um, So I'm, I welcome my imposter syndrome when, when it comes knocking, it's, it's a reminder of, I actually, have no idea what I'm doing most of the time. I'm learning everything from scratch. I've never managed the team. I've never run clinical trials. I've never conducted regulatory approvals for a medical device company. But as long as I keep humble and I keep a low ego, I keep learning and I keep evolving um, and I keep moving from one point to the to the next. So I, I actually... I'm friendly with my imposter syndrome now. Okay, I think that's that's something that we can all 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 learn from being friendly with it, not 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 shying away from it, being friendly with it. Uh, what's next for your company? Scale is next for our company. Um, expanding our production capabilities, so we intend to continue working with a charity in the UK called Working Chance which gives women that used to be part of the criminal and care systems a chance to gain fair, meaningful employment. Um, so as we scale our production, as we build more machines and expand to new factories, we want to remain in the UK and remain working with um, these women, giving, giving a, making an impact in our direct community, apart from just making an impact on period pain as a whole why we would do that is to deliver the clinically validated CBD tampon to as many women that need it as possible. So how do you feel about your period now? Um, I'm, I'm happy when I have my period. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it. I look forward to it. it. Reminds me of my womanhood. It reminds me of the things that my body could potentially do in the future. Um, I've embraced my my periods now and obviously not not having cramps um helps i'm also um another reason why i look forward to my period is because i'm the resident guinea pig for all of our tampons and and new tampon formulations and new sizes and new shapes um so whenever our design engineering team has come up with a new applicator or a new design i'm always the first person to uh try them out so that's another reason why I look forward to my period because I get to test the 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 new things that we have cooking 
So that's quite a shift going from you thinking that you had a disease and it being really traumatic to now looking forward to your period and embracing it. Yeah. And do you think that's a journey that's available to anyone with a period, especially people who have periods who are, that are painful, that are really heavy? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to underestimate anyone's personal experience or anyone, anyone's personal trauma. Um, but I, 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 from from my experience, um, it's been great for me personally to have this shift of mindset and have this shift of perception and be able to embrace my my menstruation. Amazing! If if listeners could take one thing away from this this podcast episode in your journey, what would you want that to be? Um without meaning to repeat myself, I think it's just the awe of the world in which we live in today, because it's very easy to get boggled down with all of the wrong that's, that exists in the world right now. But I think we also sometimes need to just remember to take a step back and just be in awe of the fact that we now live in a world where, you know, a 25 year old woman that comes from nothing from a tiny country in Eastern Europe can start her own business and run her own business and make a social impact while also creating a profitable product and make an environmental impact while solving a real consumer pain point. So I think the the technologies that exist that have allowed us to exist in this society in which we do right now and, and, and the environmental changes in how we perceive women in in how we talk about female health, I think are really something to be proud of and something to to be reminded of so i guess even though the world is a very hard difficult place there's moments of wonder and there's moments of awe and i would love for us to celebrate these moments more wonderful celebrate the moments of wonder and awe i think that's a message that everyone can get behind thank you so much for coming on to the show valentina where can listeners find out more about about day? On our website, yourday.com. Great. Y O U R D A Y E dot com. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.